Hi, and thanks for joining with me today as I wrap up our series on the greatest commandment, to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul and strength and to love others as ourselves. Jesus um, captured the greatest command in this way in conversation with a teacher of the law. It's recorded for us in Mark chapter 12. And over the past few weeks, we've been looking at what that commandment means. Now, at the end of this conversation with the teacher about the commands, the teacher, um, uh, he, he agrees with Jesus that this is the greatest command. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the teacher even says that this is greater. You know, this command is like, it's it's more important to do this than to do all of the burnt offerings and sacrifices, which was what it meant to be religious in his day. And when the teacher says this, Jesus says of him, he says, you know, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You are not far from the kingdom of God. So today, as we wrap up the series, we want to talk about the kingdom of God and what it means to be far from it, close to it, in it, living in it altogether. Um, and before we talk about the kingdom of God that Jesus described this man as not far from, um, I want to talk about a different kingdom, one which is very familiar to me, the idea of which is probably a lot more easy for us to understand. I want to talk about not so much a kingdom, but I want to talk about the country that I live in, the country of Australia. 25 million people live here in Australia, and it's a terrific country to live in. We live in a democratic country, a democratic country in which we have great laws that protect our rights, that um, give us many freedoms as well as some responsibilities. But our freedoms, like we have freedom of religion, freedom from racial discrimination, freedom from sexual discrimination. Um, we, we even have the freedom to assemble and demonstrate and protest peacefully. Um, many freedoms, many rights in this country. And it is a wonderful country of great it's a vast proportions, natural beauty, natural resources, excellent schools and universities and hospitals and um, careers that you can have. It's a great country to, to be a part of. And 25 million of us call this place home. But I read that 25 million represents only 0.33% of the world's population. So not many of us actually call Australia home in the world, in the whole world. In fact, more than 7.6 billion people in this world don't call Australia home. They are far from calling Australia home and most of them won't even visit Australia. Of course, no one can visit at the moment because of the coronavirus. But, you know, most people are far from calling Australia home. Then we've got the people who are here, the 25 million of us who are here. Um, although all of us call Australia home who are here, not all of us are actually Australian. Um, to be an Australian, you must be a citizen of Australia. Some of us are blessed to be born here and therefore to automatically have that citizenship. Um, so some of us by virtue of birth, not our virtue, but in God's providence and through the plans of our parents were born here. And so we are automatically Australians. 
Um, so that describes some of the 25 million that are here. Uh, just under 30% of the people that are here actually came from overseas. We have an enormous amount of people who've migrated from overseas. And amongst that group who've migrated from overseas, almost 30% of our population, many of them go on to become citizens of our nation. But many also are not actually citizens, but are living here um, under a visa, uh, under a short-term or long-term visa. You know, at the long term, we have permanent residents of Australia. At the short term, we have people on holiday visas. Um, not many of those here at the moment, of course, as I said, because of the coronavirus and the borders all being closed. But there's a whole range of visas that give people a right to be in Australia. Um, but to be an Australian, you must be a citizen of Australia. And I've also read that just under half a million of our 25 million people here are not actually citizens, but they're here under one of those varieties of visas. Um, they're almost Australians, okay? They might look like Australians, they might love this country, but they're not actually citizens. To call yourself an Australian, you must be a citizen. And to become a citizen, uh, if you haven't been born here, to become a citizen, you have to pass a series of um, tests, satisfy a number of criteria. Um, I'm no representative of our government, so you need to, if you want to become a citizen, you should go and check all of these, these facts. But as I understand it, um, to become a citizen, you must be between about the ages of 18 and 60, be resident in Australia when you apply for citizenship and when it is conferred upon you. Uh, you must have a basic grasp of the Australian language and you need to be able to satisfy our government that you do ascribe to and that you will uphold the values of our nation, that you will live under its laws, um, that you will respect the rights and freedoms of other people in our nation under our laws. And in order to reassure the government of that, there is a citizenship test that you can do. So if you're able to satisfy the government of all of those things, they're able to tick, tick all of those boxes, then you'll get a citizenship certificate. You'll become a citizen of Australia and you'll be able to get one of these, an Australian passport. Not only will you be an Australian, but you'll be able to live the Australian dream um, I'm not talking about barbecues in the backyard and throwing shrimps <laughs> on it and so on. I'm talking about oh, the wonderful freedoms of this country, all of those freedoms under our laws, all of those responsibilities and rights that I described before, all those great systems, all those wonderful publicly funded benefits that we enjoy here. Um, you know, you can, you can go on from being a citizen to actually living the Australian dream and raising a family and buying property and having a great career. You can even contribute uh, to, the, to the laws of our country by becoming a politician. There's so many ways in which you can really live the dream of being an Aussie. So I have described people who are far from being Aussies, people who are almost Aussies, people who are Australian, and people who are living the Australian dream. And I say all of that by way of a very long example or illustration 
of the way in which I think we can understand Jesus's teaching about the kingdom of God and what it means to be far from the kingdom, what it means to be nearly in the kingdom, what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom and what it means to live the dream, to, you know, to live in the light of the kingdom. So let's think about that, the kingdom of God that Jesus taught about. And Jesus taught a lot about the kingdom of God, not as a country like Australia, not as some geopolitical reality. He talked about the kingdom of God as a spiritual realm that was, in fact, not of this world, he says in John chapter 18, verse 36, not of this world. And yet a, a spiritual realm, a spiritual kingdom that was drawing near to us as Jesus was drawing near to the world. As Jesus was in the world, it was like he was bringing the kingdom of God near. And Jesus talked much about um, inviting people, how everyone was invited into the kingdom, what it was like to be in the kingdom. He manifested the kingdom to us. He showed us the kingdom um, in his wonderful healings and miracles. Um, and in himself as a person uh, who loved God with all of their heart, mind, soul and strength and loved others in a sacrificial way, uh, he showed us the kingdom. He wasn't the only one who spoke about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is actually a central theme throughout the narrative of scripture. We come to understand what the kingdom of God is like through our reading of scripture from right at the beginning, uh, the Garden of Eden, Eden, which is, you know, at the very creation when men and women uh, were created in order to, they were created in the image of God, to flourish, uh, to, to walk with God in the garden. Um, they only had one rule, which sadly they, they broke. Um, they rebelled against they rebelled against living under the laws of God's kingdom in that sense. And as we read, as we continue to read scripture, um, another highlight of the Old Testament is the people of Israel who were described as the people of God, um, citizens of God's kingdom, if you like. We learn about what the kingdom of God is like by looking at the people of Israel because they were people who, they were God's people, they lived under God's rule, they enjoyed um, the blessing and protection of God and the companionship of God. Sadly, uh, they failed to uh, live under God's laws. They failed to love God with all of their heart, mind, soul and strength and to love others as themselves. So in the Old Testament, we start to come to understand what the kingdom of God is like. Jesus then proclaims that he was bringing the kingdom. He invited people to come into the kingdom. Um, he, described, he described a realm in which everything was reordered um, according to the powerful love of God. A wonderful kingdom, a wonderful realm to be in. Jesus said of this man, this teacher of the law in Mark chapter 12, that in understanding that the kingdom can be summed up really in the words love, loving God and loving others, and that this, that this command of love, um, that love captures the kingdom more than anything else, and in the fact that the man said that 
this command to love was greater than any burnt sacrifices and offerings, Jesus said that this man was not far from the kingdom. In discerning all of this, this man was not far. It's like this man understood the elements of the citizenship test for the kingdom of God. Love God with all of our heart, mind, soul and strength and love others as ourselves. He recognised the most important part and he recognised when he talked about, you know, that it was more important than burnt offerings and sacrifices. He was recognising that this love of God from deep within us, this companionship, this walking with God, this loving our neighbour, was far more important than religiosity, uh, which in his day was demonstrated through offering sacrifices and burning offerings. So his discerning of that allowed Jesus to say, you're really close, you're really close to the kingdom of God. But in all of this discernment and recognition and the wisdom that this man showed, he was only near. He, he could only be described as not far from the kingdom, he wasn't actually in the kingdom. And um, being close, being close is not good enough. Being close means he wasn't in the kingdom. He wasn't enjoying all the blessings. He wasn't enjoying that uh, walking with God that comes through the kingdom. He was not a citizen of the kingdom of God. To understand then how to become a citizen of the kingdom of God, we need to hear what Jesus said about the kingdom of God. Jesus proclaimed that the kingdom was held together really by him. He is the king. Um, when Jesus was crucified, they put a sign above, his, above, above him on the cross, which described him as the king of, king of the Jews. Um, there's an irony to that because it's true, not just to the Jews, he was the king of kings, the Messiah. So the kingdom is wrapped up in Jesus. Jesus coming from heaven brought this heavenly realm into our realm. He brought the kingdom to us. Now, Jesus didn't just talk about the kingdom. He didn't just manifest the kingdom through his miracles and show us what kingdom life was like. He didn't just teach us about what the kingdom was like through the parables and so on. He also talked about the cross the cross kind of like looms, um, looms above his ministry. And at repeated times, he talks about how he will give his life as an offering, how he's on a pathway to the cross, how the Son of Man, as he's described, didn't just come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And we marry up those two ideas, the kingdom of God and the cross. We marry up these two realities by understanding that the way in which we can become citizens of the kingdom of God is actually because of the cross. It is because of the ministry that Jesus had on the cross. Because on the cross, he satisfied, um, he satisfied all the penalties for sin um, because of his godliness and innocence in his suffering that he went to that cross not as a guilty man, but he went as an innocent man 
who could bear the burden of the world's sin on his shoulders. He could make the one sacrifice on the cross. Um, because he was the one who loved God truly, loved the Father with all of his heart, mind, soul and strength, because he truly was neighbour to us, because he truly loved us in a sacrificial way on that cross. It is Jesus that makes it possible for anyone, not just the people of Israel, but anyone makes it possible for anyone to become a citizen of the kingdom of God by putting our faith in what Jesus has done on the cross, by putting our faith in him as the one who does live up to that great command. Because I don't know if you found it, but um, over the past few weeks as we've looked at the great commandment to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul and strength and to love our neighbour as ourselves, it's pretty overwhelming um, it's very overwhelming. And when we look at the Old Testament, we can look back and we can see in the Garden of Eden, they failed. When we look at the people of Israel, they failed to, to live up to that great commandment. When we look at ourselves, no matter how hard we try to love God with all of us and to love others as ourselves, no matter how hard we try, we will never get any closer to accomplishing it um, will never actually be able to say, yes, 100%, I pass that test. I love God with all of me. I love God entirely. We, we can't do it, but Jesus did it. And when we put our faith in Jesus um, in a vicarious way, uh, his obedience, his love for God, his love for others um, becomes the criterion through which we become citizens of heaven. He is the only one who has been able to, to satisfy this great command. Um, so Jesus described what it was like to be far from the kingdom. He described this man who understood the demands of the kingdom to love God with all heart, mind, soul and strength and to love neighbour. He described this person, that discernment around that, that it's not about being religious, it's about love. He described the person who knows this stuff as close to the kingdom, near to the kingdom, not far from the kingdom. But to be truly in the kingdom, to be a citizen of the kingdom, we must satisfy the command. And we, in failing to do that, we put our faith in Jesus Christ who did do that, and we become citizens through Christ's work on the cross. That's described for us in Ephesians when it says, As for you, um, we were in transgression and sin in the way we used to live when we followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Um, all of us lived uh, this way at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following our own ways, our own desires and thoughts. And as a result, not meeting the mark, not living up to the great command. But because of his great love for us, it says in verse 4 of chapter 2 of Ephesians, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it's by grace that we're saved. And God raises us up with Christ, seats us with him in the heavenly realms. 
um, to show us the incomparable riches of his grace. And he leads us on um, in good works, to do good works that he's prepared for us in advance to do. He says, so you are no longer foreigners or strangers. You're no longer far from the kingdom, but the ones who have responded to the grace of God in Christ are fellow citizens with God's people, members of his household, built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets that we read about in the Old Testament, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. It's in him that the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. In him we're built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is a description of what it's like to be not just in the kingdom, but to be living in the kingdom, to be doing the good works, to be living the life of loving God and loving others in the power of God's spirit, uh, with the companionship of God, with the experience of God's blessing, stepping into this realm in which everything is reordered by the love of God. The cross, the cross of Jesus Christ, that is our way into the kingdom of God. That is our passport. Um, that is why Christians are so proud of the cross, that we make it the, the symbol of Christianity because it is through Jesus' death, through Jesus' rising again, that we are able to be truly citizens of the kingdom of God. Well, I just want to conclude with a question for you. In this spectrum then of being far from the kingdom, near to the kingdom, in the kingdom, living the, living the life of living the kingdom life, which point describes you? Are you far from the kingdom? Are you close? Okay, you've got some knowledge, you've got some wisdom about, you know what the kingdom is about, but you're not, you haven't put your faith in Christ. Far from, near, but not yet, not in, in the kingdom, by virtue of your faith in the work of Christ on the cross. And not only in the kingdom, but finally living in the kingdom. Which one of those points describes where you are at on your journey? Wherever it is, I want to encourage you today to take whatever next step, whatever next step is right for you in moving closer into the kingdom, the kingdom life, the blessings of the kingdom. Thanks for listening.